The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit midweek podcast. We are back. We have big news to talk about. Dan Campbell is officially now the Detroit Lions head coach. And instead of previewing candidates anymore, we actually get to talk about the actual candidate with an actual expert on the Lions next head coach. My name is Jeremy Resman. I will be your co-host for First Bite. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, is Ryan Matthews. Ryan, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm feeling fulfilled yes. for a variety of reasons that we won't get into necessarily, but I'm <laughs> excited that we have somebody to talk an actual Lions hire with. Yes, I am very excited about that too. And by the way, Ryan is at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. If you don't know yet, uh, our special guest today to talk us about Dan Campbell. Um, this is going to be the, the first part of a, a series of podcasts because we want to get in depth here with uh, with Dan Campbell, and he had several stops along the way. So we're going to talk about his Dolphins days with our special guest, Hal Habib, who is the Dolphins beat writer, longtime Dolphins beat writer for the Balm Beach Post. Hal, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Very, very good. And also very jealous of your Florida background, if, if I if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but let's let's just jump right into it, Hal. Um you, I picked you out specifically because I was looking through some of the 2015 articles there coming out of Miami when he was there, and you seem to be one of the people that was completely on board for kind of taking the interim label off of uh, Dan Campbell during his time in Miami after being the interim coach for 12 games there, going five and seven. Um, what did you like about Dan Campbell there in Miami that that made you think he should probably stick around? Um, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> that's the short answer. Um, you know, he came in um, after a one and three start under Joe Philbin, and um, it was it was pretty much a breath of fresh air, really. Um, he, as an ex-player himself, he knew what buttons to push on this team. He pushed them. Uh, he made the team better. He made the players want to play for him. Uh, he inspired them in ways Philbin never did. There was there was just so much going for him and for the team that I didn't see under Joe Philbin. And that's why I argued for the Dolphins to not overthink this. 
to just take off the interim label and move on with Dan Campbell. And, you know, even though they wound up going with Adam Gase, you could see that, uh, you know, owner Stephen Ross at the time even made comments like, I, I love Dan Campbell and, and I could see him being a head coach someday. So there was that respect level that, uh, for whatever reason, wasn't enough to push him over the top here in Miami. But still, you could see this guy had a future in the league, and it wasn't just as an assistant coach. Yeah, absolutely. And Hal, thanks, thanks for being on the podcast. We really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Um, for, 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 for my thinking, um, the, the, what I want to get your take on is Dan Campbell has kind of been character. He's been characterized and almost turned into a caricature of this like old school football player who, you know, Oklahoma drills and, uh, you know, knows. did you get that sense of Dan Campbell when he was down in Miami? In some ways, yes. And in the right ways, no. What I mean by that is, yeah, when he came aboard, he did install some of those drills where guys were going you know, one-on-one and other guys were circled around and there was a lot of hooting and hollering and all of that. And there was a lot of rah-rah to him as well. But at the same time, um, he knew that you can only push guys so far before their bodies would break down. And one of the things that the Dolphins did under Philbin, for whatever reason, um, is they went easy on Friday and they picked up the pace in Saturday workouts, even though there was a game on Sunday. And, and Dan came aboard and said, wait a minute, that doesn't really make any sense. And he flip-flopped those two days. And, and that really did seem to kind of liven up what the guys were able to do on Sunday. And, and that's just one example. As far as, you know, old school, you know, yeah, he was, he was a tight end in his day. And, and there's a lot of hard-nosed football to him. But um, the players respected that and they responded to that. And, you know, what's wrong with old school football when it's done right? That's a good point. Um, I, I kind of want to dig a little bit further into this because, you know, the lines are obviously coming off of kind of an old school hard ass uh, kind of coach. And I think maybe there's a little bit of concern that, you know, they're continuing down that road, although it's, it's certainly a little bit different with Dan Campbell. But you mentioned a couple things in, in your, uh, your column today um, that kind of stuck out to me where it was like, he, and, and you kind of just talked, you know, briefly talked on it there. You know, he, he, you said he knew when to match the accelerator. He knew when to pump the brakes, though. And, and so how, how did he maybe relate to players in a way that didn't seem like he was kind of an authoritarian type? Um, well, he was only 39 at the time. <laughs> so, you know, when you're barely older than some of your oldest players, you know, guys like maybe a Cameron Wake, um, it's, it's probably that much easier to relate to, to your players. <clears throat> so that was one thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think back to some of the simple things he did where Philbin had him wear suits on all the road trips. And Campbell was more concerned with them being comfortable when they were traveling on the road. And um, just all kinds of other ways that uh, he he was able to, uh, like I said, inspire them, uh, where some of the players were very vocal toward the end as far as, yeah, we want 
Stephen Ross and the Dolphins to keep this guy. Uh, and how often do you see players just outwardly campaigning for a guy uh, who's an interim coach to become their, their permanent coach? So, yeah, all of that kind of came together in, in a right way where, where Dan didn't make any apologies for the fact that uh, he had a lot of rah-rah to him because, you know, hey, in, in so many ways, he was the anti-Joe Philbin, and that was just what this team needed, at least what this team in Miami needed. And, you know, uh, I think you do a really good job in that, in, you know, some of the articles that you wrote about him, Hal, uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, portraying him to be, you know, a player's coach, essentially. And, um, you know, in his time in Miami, I, I think uh, to shift gears a little bit here, um, what types of connections do you think he made with, with coaches during his time in Miami? Are there like any specific guys that you remember Campbell being close to people that would maybe suspect, um, you know, Campbell would be thinking for assistance in any capacity? Um, well, one of the key things Dan did right away was he elevated Darren Rizzi from special teams coordinator to assistant head coach. And it's interesting because when you look at the Saints staff this past season, who was the special teams coordinator? Is Darren Rizzi. Um, I don't know if Dan is looking at Darren as perhaps his assistant head coach in Detroit or maybe his special teams coordinator in Detroit, if he could lure him away. I've always had a lot of respect for Darren. His um, special teams in Miami were always very good. Um, Darren has a knack for uh, finding, uncovering gems as specialists. And that's why Miami was able to land Jason Sanders, who's one of the better kickers in the NFL right now, even though he was unheralded as, as a college player. Um, so that would be one guy who comes to mind right off the bat as someone to keep an eye on. Interesting. Um, kind of sticking with the, the Miami times, um, you mentioned they, the, the dolphins eventually decided to move on from Adam Gase. Was there ever really a reason given that, that Dan Campbell wasn't the guy for the job? You know, you said he had player support. You said even ownership mentioned that they, you know, maybe even wanted to, to stick around. Why do you think, you know, he didn't end up landing that job in, in Miami? Well, I mean, back at that time, uh, Adam Gase was one of those flavors of the month type coaches. Um, he was kind of an in-demand name, uh, a hot name. He had the tie to Peyton Manning, and, and certainly he had the endorsement of Peyton Manning. And on top of that, um, he was sort of the offensive mind that the Dolphins thought they needed after so many years of, uh, remember, you know, the Dolphins went from Dan Marino to decades, literally decades of having a first down as a cause for celebration. <laughs> so <laughs> owner Stephen Ross was sort of like in the mindset of the heck with this, we need a guy who's going to bring some excitement to the fan base. And so they came, became enamored with Adam Gase and, and what he might bring to Miami and how he might um, sort of uh, get the most out of Ryan Tannehill's potential. Well, you know, we see the most of 
Brian Tannehill now, but it's it's in Tennessee. It's not in Miami. <laughs> so, you know, sort of how did all that work out? Well, we know how that all worked out, don't we? Yeah, for sure. Um, one more uh, from me before we head to our first break. I want to talk about kind of the unconventional move he made, and I'm not sure even Lions fans are aware of this, but during his time as interim head coach, he fired both the offensive and the defensive coordinator. And I find that interesting because the Lions just kind of went through a, a somewhat similar situation. And, you know, they just had an interim coach that ended up firing a special teams coordinator. Um, that was a wildly kind of unpopular, unpopular move here in Detroit. Um, what did it feel like he was overreaching maybe with his powers to have an interim head coach get rid of the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in a season? Or was that something that was like, those guys are probably gone anyways? Well, I mean, considering where Miami was at that time, um, you know, any changes probably were going to be received in a positive way. Um, it, it was a team that was just stuck in mediocrity and, you know, anything that, uh, that could be done to sort of jumpstart the, the team and the franchise kind of had to be done. Um, you know, eight and eight or, or some dirty words down in Miami. Uh, probably Detroit fans are more than ready for some kind of change as well. Um, you know, when you're an interim coach or a new coach in the NFL, sometimes you have to do unpopular things. I mean, look at Brian Flores. He's now unquestionably the right guy for Miami. But even after last year when, when the team uh, kind of over, over uh, – extended itself, you know, with that five and four finish, Brian wound up flipping half his roster, his coaching roster leading into this year. And then even after this year, we asked him, okay, what are you going to do with your coaches? And, and his initial response is, well, we'll probably stand pat. And now we see, you know, there, uh, the offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey has resigned. Other changes are going on with the offensive line coach and so forth. Things happen all the time where how often does a uh, coaching staff stand pat? So it will be interesting to see some of the guys that Dan brings along to Detroit. That's for sure. Yeah, that's something that I think all Lions fans are kind of weighted with bated breath there. Uh, Ryan, you got one more before we head to our first break? Let's let's take a break. Let's let's, okay. let's give Hal some time to, uh, you know, reassess. Yes. All right. We'll, we'll give you all time to, to catch a breath here. When we come back, we're going to get into some X's and O's a little bit, because I think that might be the biggest concern with Dan Campbell is, is how much does he know? How much influence does he bring from his upbringing and all that sort of stuff? And we'll try to get some answers out of hell when we come back here on First Bite. Dan Campbell, part one edition. And we are back on First Bite here with Hal Habib from the Palm Beach Post talking about Dan Campbell and his days down there with the Miami Dolphins. Um, let's talk a little bit about his philosophical background because we all know he's a great motivator. We've heard, you know, the players kind of talk about how they, they love to run through a wall for him. But the biggest concern I think Lions fans uh, is, is just simply what is he going to do here? What is the team going to look like philosophically? What, what are they going to look like? 
And the biggest hint we have is we hear him talk about Bill Parcells, you know, a guy that he he played for. Um, he goes over to Sean Payton, another guy who has a Bill Parcells connection. Um, so when he took over Miami, philosophically, did they look any different? What exactly kind of, you know, resembled? What what strategy were they following? And and was it kind of just more of a reflection of what was going on, but more intense? Or, you know, did he become more pass heavy, run heavy? What exactly did it look like there in Miami during his 12 game run? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that they were able to score. Um, <laughs> you know, they they were one and three when he took over. And <clears throat> right away in the first two games, uh, they won those two games. They scored a total of 82 points where they had never even scored 21 points up until that point in the season. So there was an awful lot of, of good things going on at the same time. You know, as he once explained, there's only so much you can do midseason. Right. It's not like you can totally overhaul a system or anything. Um, I, I re- seem to recall that they um, had a little bit more latitude that they gave Brian Tannehill um, up until that point. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Ryan didn't really have as much latitude to audible. Uh, he didn't have a whole lot of input in the game plan. Hmm. which kind of boggles the mind when you think about it. Um, so there, there were those kind of things that were going in Miami's favor. Um, you know, one thing that I think Lions fans should really uh, think about and be grateful for right now is uh, those few seasons in between, you know, where was Dan? He was in New Orleans. I mean, he was working under Sean Payton. He was working with Drew Brees and, and Kamara and Michael Thomas, some of those guys. Uh, and, and, and what a great experience it had to be for him to learn under one of the most aggressive play callers in the league, uh, one of the most creative minds in the league. I think a lot of those things are going to help mold Dan into that much better uh, of a coach and a head coach than he would have been had he gone straight from Miami to Detroit. Uh, those are all positives, I think. Uh, I, I want to take it back to something you said earlier, Hal, and you mentioned that Dan Campbell was a breath of fresh air um, from from you know Philbin's time in Miami. And uh, I, I would just like to maybe learn a little bit more about Dan Campbell's uh, media relations. Um, what was necessarily... The, the breath of fresh air that he provided um, outside of necessarily coaching realm and, and, and what he was like with the media, because I, I think a lot of people uh, in, in Detroit were um, were rubbed the wrong way with a lot of the things that Matt Patricia had to say. So um, can you comment at all about what Dan Campbell's uh, relations with the media were? Why do the words Bill Belichick come to mind as you're asking that question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I, as I answer that question, first thing you have to know, and being up in Detroit, I wouldn't expect you to have followed this that closely. Joe Philbin was as close to the best as any head coach could ever be. Um, there were times, you know, he's, he's a wonderful person. No one would ever say anything bad about him as a person. But in a lot of ways, as a head coach, he was kind of a deer in headlights especially when the cameras and the microphones were going. And Dan was totally the opposite. He was so relaxed in front of the microphones. 
If you asked him a question, he was not afraid to answer it. Um, he, he spoke what was on his mind, I thought. Um, he was thoughtful. He was engaging. Um, I think that the, the reporters up in Detroit are, are going to enjoy working with him. And, and likewise, as an extension, I think the fans are going to see that, that he's a real person. And um, you'll get to know who Dan Campbell is, not just as a coach, but as a person. And um, I think when, when the fans, when that translates all the way to the fans, how could it not translate as well to the players and, and, the, and the guys in that locker room? Uh, all of that, I think, is a, is a positive, too. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And uh, so far, all I pretty much know about him is he really likes Metallica. Um, he <laughs> he likes to run the Oklahoma drill, which he can't even do anymore, I think, by NFL rules. <laughs> and uh, I know we joke that he likes red meat, but I don't even know if that's technically true. <laughs> um, we'll probably see. But yeah, it, it'll be good to, to get to know him as a person as we're, um, spoiler, less than 24 hours away from his initial uh, press conference with the media. Um I, I do, and and this this might be testing your memory a little bit, but I want this is something that I always kind of I ask just about every one of our guests with their head coaching candidate, and it's because it's it's a bugaboo of mine with with a lot of current head coaches. Um, do you remember what he was like in terms of his aggressiveness when it came to like fourth down situations? You know, kicking a field goal versus going for it again. If you, if this is too, I know we're talking twenty fifteen. I'd be hard pressed to answer some of those questions about what the Lions were doing back then. But uh, do you have any recollection maybe of, of what he was like in those kind of situations? Um, nothing comes to mind off, off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> I, I would just say that if he learned anything from Sean Payton, that I think that um, <clears throat> I think he would learn, he would have learned that fourth down doesn't mean you have to absolutely always punt, um, stuff like that. Uh, I, I think that uh, he, he probably learned the benefits of, of being aggressive. I mean, we, we all saw what Andy Reid did the other day. Yep. And that probably, I would hope, sent a message to a lot of teams and a lot of coaches who, um, in the words of what uh, Lane Kiffin once told me, so many guys, um, <clears throat> it's not a matter of coaching not to lose. It's a matter of coaching not to get criticized. <laughs> and I would yeah. hope that a lot of guys have, have moved past that and, and are bold enough to do what's, what's really inside of them. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That's, I mean, you nailed exactly my feeling too. So, um, well, well I, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one, but, uh, but I hope I'm, I'm with you. I hope he learned from Sean Payton a little bit. Not that Payton is the most aggressive, but he certainly, uh, you know, goes for it every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only, the only question I have left for you, Hal, and uh, I, I don't expect you to have a crystal ball. So this is just you speculate, speculating and shooting from the hip, but Dan Campbell signed a six year agreement to be the head coach of the Detroit lions. Do we think that Dan Campbell sticks around for six years in Detroit? Uh, well, (laughs) if you ask me that question about most any NFL coach, I would probably bet the under because let's face it, how many do, you know, uh, how many Pete Carrolls and Bill Belichick's and, 
you know, those guys, Mike Tomlins, how many of those guys are out there? Um, I mean, even when it went well, you know, is Doug Peterson still in Philadelphia? Um, you know, you, the smart money would bet on the no side, but uh, would it shock me if he if he succeeded up there and if he were still up there after the the contract runs out? It wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, I would I would hope for long suffering Lions fans that that it works out in a positive way. Um, <clears throat> I would just say that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I would say that you want to give the guy a chance to get his feet on the ground, get his players in there. Um, I would say with the with the greatest amount of confidence that he will win over the locker room, that players will want to play for him and will want to give their best for him. And in the end, I don't know how much more you can ask. Yeah, and – you know, I one one last I guess question that that kind of um, you know came up as as you were giving that that answer. Hell was, um, do you think that there's going to be a steep learning curve for Dan Campbell? Did you experience that at all? I, I mean, I I know you said that they uh, when when Dan took over as the interim head coach, they scored a bunch of points, and all of a sudden the team's playing looser, they're playing faster, they're playing harder. Do you expect there to be kind of a learning curve with Dan Campbell, or do you think that he just seems like the kind of coach that's going to hit the ground running? I think he'll try to hit the ground running. I think he's a guy who's confident in his abilities, certainly. Um, I think it doesn't hurt that when you stand next to him, you get the feeling that this guy could still step on the field. So he projects that kind of aura. Um, so there is that. But on the other hand, name me a head coach, any head coach, who uh, would tell you that his first couple of years uh, he doesn't look back with some regrets and 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 doesn't know that there are things that he could have, should have, would have done differently. They, they all do. And so that's going to happen, but it's a matter of minimizing that and maximizing all the other stuff. All right. Last question before we let you go, Hal. Um, do you have any you know, just stories, I guess, uh, of Dan Campbell, whether it's, you know, something he was doing at practice, a conversation you had on the side with him, something he did in, in coach, maybe something that just Lions fans would really like to hear to maybe get them pumped up or at least get them to know better, uh, get them to know how, um, how, get them to know Dan a little bit better. One thing that came to mind, um, there was a, a news conference he was having uh, somewhere, I guess, fairly deep into uh, his his tenure in Miami, and uh, the sports anchor at the local Fox affiliate asked him uh, why it is that he feels so comfortable in his role, why he's so engaging with the media, uh, what it is in his background that that has him, you know, feeling the way he he feels, and he gave this long answer. I actually have it up on my my screen as I'm talking to you. And, and he talked about um, when he decided what he wanted to do, you know, with his career and how grateful he was that Tony Sperano gave him a chance to be an intern and how grateful he is to be in the NFL. He talked about, you know, I love it. Uh, I'm fortunate to be here and be in, in this role as a coach. Uh, how much he loves interacting with the players. He even talked about 
the, his secretary and the guy who cleans the building and, and how much he enjoys being around all of those people. So it, it's a guy who, now that he's finally a head coach, um, I can't help but think that he's going to cherish every minute of it. He's going to maximize this opportunity. Um, I think he's going to do everything in his power to be exactly what the Lions organization hired him to be. Whether it all works out, who knows, but it won't be for lack of trying. That's that's a great message to leave Lions fans with. Uh, Hal, I want to give you a, a big, big thanks for joining us today, for giving us a nice insight. Um, if you want more of Hal's opinion on this sort of stuff, uh, you can catch him on Twitter at GunnerHal. He also put out a great article literally today on January 20th uh, entitled New Lions Coach Dan Campbell Will Give Miami Dolphins a View of the One That Got Away. You're going to want to read that on the Palm Beach Post. Hal, appreciate it. Thanks again. And, and maybe we'll catch up with you a little bit later to talk a little more, Dan Campbell. Sounds great, guys. Thank you. Stay warm. <laughs> we will try, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to try Hal. Sorry. Uh, thanks again for joining us. And thank you all for listening to First Bite. We will be back a little bit later. Talk about maybe a little bit of Dan Campbell's Saints with another uh, special guest. So stick with us. It's chaos. Be kind. See you next time. <laughs>